It's the JT The Brick Show. They get the snap off. Hand off Jacobs. That's the first down of the big hole. 15, 10, 5. Touchdown, Raiders. Broadcasting live from the Finley Cadillac Performance Studio. Raiders bring a blitz. He is smothered and brought down. Max Crosby came around for the sack. Your silver and black home to sound off for over 20 years. Shotgun snap to Stidham. Lobs to your corner for Adams. Makes the grab in the corner. Touchdown, Raiders. An absolutely perfect pass. And Adams dragged his feet in the back left corner. And now, filling in for JT today is Harry Ruiz. Our number two of the JT The Brick Show today here kicks off now. We're going to have hockey talk with Lindsey Brown from the morning tailgate, but I just wanted to confirm, Lionel Messi just did an interview where he said that he has the intention of signing with Inter-Miami, so he's coming to the MLS by many considered the best soccer player in history. That would be the biggest signing in pro soccer history in the United States. They've had some good players, but none at the level of Lionel Messi. That will be huge for the sport of soccer. So I just wanted to put that out there. Now that Messi actually talked about it, I was going to cut the audio for Bobby, but at the same time, I'm like, it's in Spanish. So I don't want to be translating live. I'll just tell you, Messi said that he wants to sign, that he has the intention of signing with Inter Miami instead of going to Saudi Arabia and playing against Cristiano Ronaldo. Lindsey Brown, we have her on the phone line to talk about Stanley Cup final hockey because the Golden Knights, they're two wins away from hoisting Lord Stanley on the strip. Lindsay, how are you? I know you've been super busy with hockey coverage and then waking up early for the morning tailgate. It's great talking to you. Yeah, it's been great. This is why you get into the business to be this type of busy. I was just uh, at um, mini camp with uh, with Vinny. I know you're going to be having him on later on in the show as well, but this is what happens when you live in the sports mecca, Harry. You get to go to all the cool places and talk about the fun things. Exactly. We're blessed to have a job that has us working these kind of events, which, by the way, a lot of people think it's like, oh, you get in for free. It's like, no, we're working. We're hustling. We're getting our job done. We get there like me for football. I get to the stadium five hours early and I'm not partying. I'm setting up equipment. I'm getting everything ready. I leave the stadium three hours after the game because I'm having a postgame show. We're working. We're putting in the hard work. And you, I, I listened to you on ESPN Radio National this past weekend. Congratulations on that. And you brought oh, up you. you brought up is like MVP talk. Yeah, Jack Eichel, everybody's going with him. But you said Marchessault. How, how's that looking right now? It's looking pretty damn great, to be honest. And and credit to Jonathan Marsh, it's still in the run that he's been on, and just his story in general. This is a guy that spent hundreds of games in the AHL, you know, the step below the NHL. He's not the biggest guy, but he's got a hell of a shot, and he's one of the best finishers that this franchise has ever had. I think he's the leading uh, point getter for this franchise, and he's really been able to step up at another level during this postseason. And so for him to get two goals and an assist in game two. I'm not shocked. I picked him to, for, as my night to shine uh, when I was on the, the Golden Knights pregame as well because that that line is just so good, Harry, between Jack Eichel doing all, all what he does and, and creating with his legs and, and drawing pressure away from the likes of Jonathan Marshall and Ivan Barbashev, who uh, definitely was on one the other day. Uh, he, he is brought in to create space on the ice to, to go into the corners to – to be that physical presence, and he actually threw the the biggest hit of the night in a in a night of big hits, and so 
uh, Marcia so is just kind of reaping the benefits of, of playing with those two players, but that's really the MO of this team. It's, it's the sum of the parts, not of the individuals. So I said it on the Spanish radio broadcast during one of the intermissions. I was like, Aiden Hill is mi gallo. He's my guy. It's like, that's the mm-hmm. guy, right? And that was way before the Stanley Cup final. I was like, yo, he's playing with poise despite him never having started a postseason game until this year. He is playing incredibly. What has been the difference with Aiden Hill going from being traded to the Golden Knights this year to now being the starter after three goal keep- goalies go down and now he's the guy? Well, I mean, we've talked about it before, Harry, about how good the defensemen are in front of that, whoever is playing that minor for the Golden Knights and the forwards as well. Like, there's a huge team responsibility when it comes to clearing out pucks, making sure nobody's getting open looks. It was kind of like what the opposite of what Florida did in game two, where you're leaving people wide open in the zone. Like, that second goal for Marsha, I was like, what the hell? How does this even happen? But with Aiden Hill, when you have that in front of you and you start winning these games, you come in you know, almost halfway through the Edmonton series and you win against the, 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 the most offensively talented players in this world. And then you go on to Dallas and you're able to build on each and every victory. He's just working with so much confidence right now where his shortcomings that every goaltender has, like nobody's perfect, don't really matter. He's a lot more physically engaged than I thought he would be. He's getting in a lot of those scrubs, especially with Matthew to chuck out in front. And that's a fine line to walk when you're a goaltender because I was always taught never get too high, never get too low, because you're the barometer for the players in front of you. If you're kind of pushing yourself out, if you're if you're a little bit disheveled, the team will respond in kind. But he is just stopping every big moment save, like that breakaway that really set the tone uh, in, early in game two. And then he's not dropping a lot of rebounds. And, and that's what's really gotten him into trouble in the past, because he's not the greatest skater. But as long as he gets that first read is in deep in his net, like, he's fine. And so you can see in those scrambles, he's one of those guys that really knows how to flop effectively where you'll just find ways to find pieces of pucks because you kind of know when people are going to shoot, when I need to just lift my leg ever so slightly. And he's just on that. He's on one of those those turns that you see with goaltenders that would be, you know, garnering some consummate conversation, and he should be. But I just don't know how you argue away from what Jonathan Marchessault has been able to do throughout these playoffs. But Aiden Hill is, is probably – reason number two why the Golden Knights are where they are. Yeah, and then you look at this team. Every time they've scored three or more goals in the postseason this year, they're undefeated. So it's like the 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 guys up front, they're doing their job as well because they've chased the opponent's starting goaltender five times in the last 12 games, pretty much half of the times they've played in the last 12 games. Yeah, it's been really incredible to see how everything is kind of converged and firing all at the same time. I mean, this is a team that's really struggled special teams-wise, whether that's keeping the puck out of their own at penalty kill or on the power play and converting. And they've just found another layer. And I think when you have the diversified offense that they've been able to build on this entire season, like this isn't just postseason. These are a, a million little trust falls that these guys do shift by shift. Being like, I can go get something done. I'm Keegan Cole, so I'm going to go be a physical presence, so that I'm going to go finish in front of the net. Or Michael Amadio not taking any time to dust anything off and finishing his goal the other night. Like, everybody has the capability to score. And when you have that trust in each other that it doesn't have to be me, people are just able to play a different brand of hockey. You're not gripping the stick too tight. You're making sure that you're making simple plays. And ultimately, that's where it, where it lends this offense, where they can go five on five, they can score shorthanded, they can score on the power play. And most importantly, I think with this postseason, 
they can respond. Like even when they got down early against Edmonton or, or, or in other games as well, there, there's no panic with this group. We're going to get it done. You just keep playing the way that you need to. You pay it forward like uh, with the little things we talk about in hockey all the time. And they're able to get back in the game quickly. So there, there isn't time for the opponent to really push them into a position where they have to start playing a more desperate brand of hockey. And so they're just rising above the, the, the crop here. And that's what's getting Florida into trouble because their brand is chaos. And all the chaos is ending up in their own end. Is it too? We're talking with Lindsey Brown, host of the Morning Tailgate here on Raider Nation Radio, hockey expert. You can listen to her pretty much anywhere talking about hockey because she's amazing at it. I got to ask you, Lindsey, if you go back to game one, going into that third period, the game was tied two to two. Yes, the Golden Knights scored three times, but Florida, they they hit the puck on the poles for a couple a couple of times. So I look at that game and I was like, all right, it's tricky. You look at five to two and you're like, it's an ass whooping. No, it was a close game. Game two, that one was uh, slaughter. Golden Knights killed the yeah. Panthers. How confident are you going into game three with what you've seen in the last two games for Las Vegas? Well, I think I'm pretty confident, but I also think that you're expected to win your games at home, right? If, if Florida ended up with a split, that's technically a win in their category. And so I think this roster, with all the experience it has, be that with – Alex Petrangelo or Alec Martinez in terms of winning a cup or even Jonathan Quick, even though he's not on the ice, he's in the background. Or maybe it's guys like Marshy and, and Carlson and, and Riley Smith that have been here, that have been on that side of failure. I think everybody understands that the job is far from done and that the, the, just the, the atmosphere of the series shifts when you move to a different building. And I expect Florida to come out. I would think that Florida takes one of these two games at least, if not both. And we got to remember, too, like in last series against Dallas, I mean, in game three, they went out and whooped Dallas at home, and it kind of got away from them. But then, remember, it took them a couple games to gain that back because yep. Dallas was able to settle in and, and, and get some good things going. And so it, I, I don't expect the Florida Panthers to keep taking the amount of penalties they do because even if the Golden Knights don't make it hurt in terms of goals on the power play, that's taxing to the legs. Uh, of of the other Florida Panthers that are that are out there, that's asking guys to elevate their game when they might not have that much left in the tank. So like Matthew Tuchuk, you're one of the best players in the league. You're such a scored or skilled scorer. Like let's just keep you out of the box. Three misconducts last game is just it's unacceptable. You have to simmer down. You have to focus on between the whistles and and play the game instead of just the battle within the game. And so we'll we'll see how the Gold Knights respond to that. They're just as physical of a team. They just I think have more discipline and, and uh, more wherewithal of the moment that they're standing in. Prediction for tomorrow, Florida fights back or the Golden Knights go up 3-0 and and are a game away from a sweep? I hate predictions, but I'll, I'll, I'll let Florida get one here. I think they'll take one of the two, and, and they need a big response. A 3 nothing hole is a lot different than a 2 nothing hole, and so I wouldn't be surprised if Bobrovsky has a little bit better play in front of them and response in turn with a, with a better performance himself. Yeah, Bobrovsky had looked incredible in the postseason the moment he came in. And then these last two games, it's been like, yo, the Golden Knights, they're doing their thing. And they got him got him pulled in those back-to-back games. Let's see what goes on. Check out Lindsay on social media. She does, does an awesome job with her coverage of the National Hockey League and, of course, postseason out here in Las Vegas. If you don't see her talking about hockey, go to the High Limit Rooms. She'll be out there in Vegas gambling <laughs> in the casinos. Absolutely, Harry. Thanks for having me on, my friend.
I appreciate you, Lindsay. Have a fantastic day. Check out her coverage on TV, on the radio, online. It's like, Lindsay, she's all around town. She's a she's fantastic in her job. So I just saw Vinny post on social media, on Twitter, saying that uh, Hunter Renfro might not be talking today. So that would be interesting because he was originally announced as one of the players that would be available for the media. But here's Vinny's tweet. He said, we were originally expected to talk to Raiders wide receiver Hunter Renfro today, but he didn't practice, so he will not be available. And then somebody replied, I saw a video of him on the field, and Vinny said he was there for stretching, but at some point he left the field. Usually with the silver and black, how it goes is that the team, uh, if the player doesn't practice, he's not available for the media. Darren Waller would be the rare exception. He would always talk to us even if he was in the IR list. So Hunter Renfro, if he didn't practice, then he more than likely won't be available. So we will listen from other Raider players in a bit. We got Robert Spillane lined up. We got Dylan Parham lined up. So we will listen to them a little bit more ahead. I'm going to hit up Vinny Monsignor during the commercial break to see if there's still anybody else available for talk. So we we actually got Dylan Parham. There you go. Bobby Machado. You see, El Portugues, the man, he always has everything ready for me here on Raider Nation Radio. Let's listen to Raiders offensive line, lineman Dylan Parham. Sorry, Robert Spillane, linebacker, brand new linebacker for the Silver and Black. They were very open about it, but the Raiders wanted you more financially. I'm just curious why you were there how hard is that to make an adjustment because they love you you love them it wasn't a divorce sometimes where players want to get away from the organization or they did from you yeah it was more about how excited the raiders were when they called me during free agency uh i truly felt that love from the organization from the first second i got on the phone with dave ziegler and coach and uh you know even a guy like max crosby reaching out and giving me a call means a lot so um feeling like i was walking into a family made it feel like it, it was okay to leave Pittsburgh for me. You've uh, been part of a program that kind of hangs its hat on toughness and defense. Um, this, it's been a little bit of a struggle defensively here for the last few years. Are you seeing some of the attributes that you want to see from this group that leads you to believe that, that this thing could get pointed in the right direction? Of course. Every year is a new year, new guys, new system. Uh, I think we're really coming together well, and as long as we bring that blue-collar toughness with us, uh, on Sundays, we'll, we should be good. So communication is at a high, you know, working together is at a high, but when that when we get that pads on, that's when the physicality comes in. You can correct me, but I don't remember if it was the last six or the last nine games, you played every snap on defense and every special teams. Durability, I mean, you can't be underrated in this league how much availability matters with ability. Will you talk about that side of your game? Yeah, one of the first things I learned when I came into the NFL under Mike Vrabel was availability is your best ability, and uh, that holds true um, to this day, and it will hold true as long as there is the NFL. I had a coach tell me in college, you know, you're going to have to learn how to play hurt. You know, guys get hurt all the time, and even you might be injured, and you got to learn how to play injured as well. So it's all about that mental fortitude and being willing to go out there for your teammates to, to get the job done. Robert? Uh, over in Pittsburgh, you being played in an odd man threat in a three-four uh, base. Here, it's kind of like a hybrid. Can you talk about the differences between the two schemes, and, and without going into specifics? But what about your skill, skill set? Excuse me, um, that you bring to the table in this game? Yeah, I mean, all these NFL teams are so multiple in packages in terms of fronts. We have all the same fronts here that we did with Pittsburgh. Uh, 
you know, nickels to dimes to or full house packages. So we got it all in, in the playbook, and um, I'm excited to see where it takes us this year. I know you're getting pretty hot out here. A day like today, is that kind of a welcome day to work out in the kind of... We embrace the heat, we embrace the cold, we embrace the rain, we embrace the snow. I mean, circumstance does not dictate our behavior out there. So we know any given day we're going to go out on the field, it's going to be 100 yards long, 53 and a third yards wide. So the, the weather doesn't uh, have any outcome on that. As a veteran player, what's your main focus for a minicamp like this week? What were you trying to get out of this, this, this week? Yeah, um, during the off seasons is a time to really get to know your teammates, get to understand how your players are playing around you, especially being a middle linebacker. I want to know how the guys in front of me are going to play certain blocks and certain schemes, and I need to know where the guys are going to be at behind me so I can have that trust in each other and we all trust each other going forward. Divine Diablo, obviously you guys haven't played with pads, but you're building a relationship, watching film, those types of things. What sticks out to you about Divine? Yeah, you know, he comes to work every day. No, he, he had said that about me yesterday. <laughs> but uh, uh, I, I love Divine because he's willing to communicate. Um, he's willing to be a good partner. And any good defense has two inside linebackers who really play well off each other. So this is the time for us right now to really understand each other's skill sets and learn how to grow together. Thank you, guys. Have a good one. There you go, Robert Spillane, new Raiders linebacker who said, hey, we're bringing that blue-collar toughness into this room, and we're bringing it for the silver and black, and that's what you need. Guys that put in the work, that know that they tomorrow isn't promised. You go out there, you do the hardest you can, and you earn your spot on this team. And that's what Robert Spillane and that group of linebackers, they want to do. Denzel Perryman, he became a pro bowler with the Silver and Black after arriving uh, late into his inaugural season with the Silver and Black. He got traded, and he got here. He did the work. He became a pro bowler. Now he's a free agent. He signed. He got his money elsewhere. And that's now let's see who's next for the silver and black in that position group. Let's listen now. The guy that replaced Hunter Renfro in the press conference today is Daniel Carlson, which is an interesting interview because we know about all those changes that are coming up with the kickoff rule. So I want to hear what he has to say. And fortunately, Bobby, he has him ready. He has him lined up here with his press conference. Let's listen to the Raiders all-pro kicker, Daniel Carlson. Hello, fire away, Daniel Carlson. Pretty big rule change uh, this year, I'm sure, as a kicker that I'm going to put words in your mouth, but probably weren't all that pleased yeah. with what they were doing, especially how you had kind of mastered something that's very difficult to do. Um, what were your thoughts when you, when you heard about all that? Yeah, I mean, they, they definitely didn't ask me about it, um, when, you know, when they made that rule, but, you know, that's it's part of the league. They're ever-evolving, and, you know, if it does save injuries, that's great. Um, you know, hopefully that is the case if we're going to stick with this rule. Um, and, you know, we'll just have to adjust along with all the other teams in the league, you know, and try and figure out ways to take advantage of the new rules, uh, just like, you know, offense, defense does when new rule changes happen with them. So, um, you know, player safety is huge, but obviously you want to be able to perform at the highest level and not be limited by rules. Um, and so we're trying to figure out how to do that now. And, um, roll with the punches. You guys 
that used that the, the, the rules the way they were, uh, not to your advantage, I wouldn't say that, but um, your kickoff coverage team was really good, and it turned into be a, a really good kickoff coverage team. So there yeah. was schematically ways that you could take advantage of that. It's yeah. Disappointing that something that you guys mastered pretty well gets taken away from you. Yeah, definitely. I mean, I think not only for field position, but also, you know, just for, uh, you know, kind of a momentum after a score to go pin someone down inside the 20. I think that's a huge play for a team to set their defense up, to, you know, get guys fired up. Um, and so we'll see kind of how much that shifts. You know, I, I hope there aren't too many fair catches and guys are willing to man up and play football back there, um, and hopefully we can kick it to them. Um, so we'll see, you know, different options of what we can do this season as we go forward. Um, but, yeah, it will be a learning curve just like everybody else in the league. So hopefully we can just take advantage of that as Raiders. Daniel, with a lot of free agents, you can't really do anything till pads come on. But with Jacob, you can because yeah. it's not contact. I'm just curious. Obviously, you had a great friendship, but a working relationship mm -hmm. with Trent as well. How is it coming with Jacob? Yeah. Your thoughts? Yeah, I mean, I think a specialist unit, uh, it's a lot like a baseball and pitcher kind of relationship where you, you two are out there, you, or for us, for us three are out there um, together, and we really have to trust each other, rely on each other. Um, so we've worked on building that. Um, you know, we, we started working kind of day one once he signed. Um, once he got in town, we were, you know, out on a high school field practicing together just on our own and stuff, just starting to try to build that trust relationship that um, that will hopefully carry over onto onto the field on Sundays and stuff. Obviously, uh, AJ, I believe last week, was talking about how you guys are still trying to adjust to having a new lawn with that group. Mm -hmm. you know, talked about some things that he had to adjust to. What are some things you feel like you've had to adjust to with Jacob, and how's that relationship yeah. going? I mean, I, I think it's it's a little easier for me. I'm not the one having to catch the ball, um, anything like that. Um, so, you know, AJ's kind of the mediator in between me and Jacob anyways on field goals. Um, but, you know, obviously Trent was a very close friend, uh, played with him for five years almost. So, um, you know, to, to have that kind of consistency and then move to something else, we've, we've got to, you know, learn to grow together in that. And so working with Jacob and, like I said, just yeah, carrying over the off-the-field relationship to the on-the-field relationship and having that trust when we're out there for big moments, I, I think that's the biggest thing. Um, and so right now it's just about getting reps, continuing to get reps and uh, get comfortable and get the timing with each other. Um, and, I, you know, I, I'm excited for what's ahead. I, I think we can continue to hopefully me and AJ do a great job, uh, produce for the team, and uh, hopefully get some wins here. Obviously, you know, being a kicker is a lot about muscle memory. It's mm -hmm. about just kind of being there mentally. You know, is there anything you feel like you've done throughout this offseason that could make you better going into this next season? Yeah, I mean, there's there's always room for improvement. You know, I missed kicks last year. There's there's rooms uh, for improvement in a lot of different areas. So, um, you know, just like any other player, um, you know, each day at practice, uh, each day in the off season, I'm trying to get better. Um, and especially in the off season, I get the chance to kick more because uh, I don't have to be so fresh for you know a game coming up or something. Um, so I, I think this is a great time for me to push myself, get a lot of reps, uh, whether it be with Jacob or just my myself, uh, fi figuring out my muscle memory and my technique, uh, and hopefully just continuing to improve on you know something I hopefully have been doing well the last few years. But like I said, the the goal is always perfection. I might not ever get there. Uh, but, you know, that's that's always going to be the goal each season.
Do you uh, use this time to observe the new players and any strong first impressions? Yeah, I mean, I, I do like to sit back and I have the time, obviously, um, to, to watch some new players, but I have no idea what I'm doing out there. I, I would be a terrible football GM. I would be a terrible coach. Uh, I'm a former soccer player that just kind of fell into this. So uh, I'm still learning, um, just like a lot of the NFL fans are, which is fun for me to kind of sit in awe of what, what some of these athletes are able to do out there. Big soccer fan. Uh, I I don't have the time that I you know Sunday Saturday as I'm watching football more, but uh, I do follow it and uh, excited for some games to come over here. And we got to go to Real Madrid Barcelona last year. Eh, snuck away for the first half of the game during camp. Had to be back before curfew, but uh, hopefully we'll be able to catch the um, who is it Man United Dortmund. You're gonna play this year here, and hopefully more to come. There you go. Daniel Carlson, former soccer player turned football player. And he's like, he's in the pursuit of perfection. But heck, last year, you look at his numbers, 34 made out of 37 attempted. And fun fact, the three games where he missed a field goal, which were back-to-back games, Raiders won each of them. They beat Denver in Denver, Seattle in Seattle, and the Chargers at Allegiant Stadium. From extra points, 35 out of 36. This guy is an all-pro. And I mentioned it on social media, on Twitter the other day when I was out there at OTAs. He's in mid-season form, hitting bombs. He was was good back-to-back-to-back-to-back kicks from 50-plus yards. So he's got the leg. And I mentioned, I was like, there might be more popular kickers all around the league, like a Justin Tucker, who's a future Hall of Famer, but in my book, the best kicker in football at the moment wears silver and black, and his name is Daniel Carlson. Raiders, we're lucky that we went from pretty much from Jano to Carlson without missing much of a beat. There's a couple of kickers before that, but once Carlson got here, he took care of that job, and he's doing a fantastic job. And also, I love what he said right there in his press conference. It's like, yo, man up. The punt returners, the kick returners. It's like, hopefully there's not many fair catches and they man up besides, despite the rule change. Let's head over to Grimaldi's after today's show. I'm hungry. They got locations at Boca Park, the Palazzo, South Rainbow, and Green Valley. That's the perfect spot to get the best pizza in town for lunch. Let's go to a break. We're going to come back in the huddle with Vinny Bonsignor. Now back to the JT The Brick Show, and it's time to go inside the huddle with Vinny Bonsignor, sponsored by Dos Caras Tequila, and presented by the Realty One Group. Um, and then obviously, you know, just like I spoke earlier, you know, just as a whole entire thing, you know, going into the first year of anything is difficult, right? You learn so much more than you thought you had to learn. And I really enjoy the process of spring of self-reflecting on the season, self-reflecting on myself, the offense, the team, and just my approach to every day. And I think overall it's been really, really fun to kind of just try and improve that and keep improving that. Year two of this new regime with Josh McDaniels as a head coach, with Dave Ziegler as the general manager, and Mick Lombardi. He's the offensive coordinator for the Silver and Black. He spoke today with the media, and as usual, the first question always coming in from Vinny Vonsignor, who we have on the line, courtesy of Dos Caras Tequila and Realty One Group, because it's Wednesday. You know what that means. We go in the huddle with Vinny. Vinny, what caught your attention from what offensive coordinator Mick Lombardi had to say today? 
Yeah, I think uh, what's kind of universal, um, sort of a theme uh, talking to coaches and players, is just how much more comfortable everybody feels going into year two compared to this time last year. Um, you know, uh, guys like Mick Lombardi and coaching staff and some of the players were trying to figure out how to get to the facility and the best way to get to the facility, let alone, you know, uh, putting in an offense, getting to learn um, the building, the players, uh, people that work here at the facility. So I think just the comfortability that everyone sort of experiences now uh, compared to this time last year, I think you can see that on the field. I think that we're seeing a, a faster pace. Um, it feels like they're a little bit further ahead, maybe even significantly ahead of where they were last year at this time. So, uh, to me, that sort of stood out uh, talking to, to Mick and then everyone else that we've been talking to. Exactly, and somebody you ended up talking to was Daniel Carlson, who wasn't originally scheduled to speak with the media today, but Hunter Renfro, he got... Uh, postponed, let's say it that way. He was originally scheduled. He didn't talk because he didn't practice. Daniel Carlson, I love that part where he said, man up to the kick returners. That's what we want. He wasn't happy about the road change in our first chance to talk with him as media, right? Yeah, and um, it, that's going to be an interesting uh, situation because, uh, in fact, Q and I were talking about this during practice today. Uh, you're, you know, you're going to have return teams and returners that feel, all right, you want to kick it down to the one-yard line? Uh, the return team, our return team, is better than your coverage team. I'm better than uh, the guys that are coming down here uh, to tackle me. I feel confident that I'm not going to get it just to the 25. I can get it to the 30-yard line. Uh, so you're going to still try to challenge people um, you know, by kicking it over uh, to that one-yard line or inside that five-yard line uh, and, 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 and seeing if they're going to accept that challenge of, okay, we're, gonna, we're not going to just take the uh, uh, you know, uh, 25-yard line we're going to try to run it out. But I think as the season goes on, the teams that are able to cover that the best, and right now you know, the Raiders are pretty good at, that, at doing that next year or last year, the teams that continue that this year, um, I would imagine that the scouting reports are going to start coming out. So if you do challenge to the one-yard line more often than not, at that point um, teams will probably just fair catch it and go to the 25. Yeah, when you get a Cordero Patterson getting a kickoff, he's not. There's a very good chance that he's going to return it. He's not going to stop, even if it's in the one yard line, and he can get the ball automatically to the 25, right? Yeah, and in that kind of a situation, as the kick cover team, maybe if the Cordell Patterson is back there, you just kick the darn thing out of the end zone and give it to him at the 25, rather than you know potentially giving up much more to a, a dynamic returner like that. Exactly. We're talking with Vinny Vonsignor, who you can listen to every morning here on Raider Nation Radio with the morning tailgate with Clay Baker and Lindsey Brown. Vinny, yesterday, both of us got our, had our eyes set on the same guy, number 29, Jacorian Bennett. And I saw you post on social media. I had it on my video on La Nacion Raider. And he, there was even a spot, a moment where he did a big pass breakup and the whole offense, they had to do um, uh, push-ups. Jacorian Bennett, I mean, I know it's not the real deal right now as in practice mode, but it's good to see a rookie standing out like that. Yeah, and, um, you know, somebody sort of responded on Twitter, oh, it's OTAs, everybody looks good. Well, obviously, everyone in the NFL in this kind of a setting looks good. You're talking about the 1% of people on this earth that are good enough just to be out there uh, over there, of course, uh, you know, on the field right now. Of course those guys are going to look good, but what you have to do you know, whether you're Dave Ziegler and the coaching staff or us in our job, too, and I'm not a football expert, I'm not saying that I am, but there's a huge difference between everyone looking, guys looking good this time of year, which is generally the case, 
compared to people that are actually standing out amongst all those other elite players that they're practicing against. And every once in a while, you start seeing guys that start standing out in this kind of a setting, not just looking good, but standing out. And I thought Jacorian Bennett, in the times that he's been out there getting reps with the, uh, the, the the top group of players, you know, the Max Crosby's and the Ryan Diablo's, the guys that you consider starters, he's been out there quite a bit getting those types of reps and has stood out at times. So there is the difference. Everyone looks good in OTAs, but there are certain guys that take the opportunity and actually stand out in this setting. Obviously, having players not participate so far in OTAs like Jimmy Garoppolo, like Josh Jacobs, in my opinion, it doesn't worry you much because you know what you're going to get out of them. You know the kind of player that they're having. But at the same time, you look at a tight end like Michael Mayer, who didn't participate in mandatory minicamp yesterday or today. These are big practices that you would like to have him out there, but they're being cautious with him, right? Yeah, and uh, to, to, to clarify that, he's here. Uh, and he's participating in everything. We just haven't had a, seen him on the field uh, for a couple of practices now. Um, <clears throat> it could be something very minor. I mean, I think if it was something more than that, we probably would have heard it by that time, by, by, by now. So, yeah, this is the time of year to be cautious when it comes to the on-field aspect of this. But just like Jimmy G and, and talking to Mick uh, Lombardi about that today, he's here all the time, and they're doing everything else other than the on-field uh, part of it. And if there's any concern with anybody in terms of, you know, uh, pushing somebody that's maybe dealing with uh, what, what a strain, a back issue, whatever the case might be, and I don't know uh, in any of those cases, except for obviously for Jimmy G, uh, you know, what's preventing them from getting out on the field. But you, you certainly and always err on the side of caution this time of year because you don't want this to bleed, whatever they're dealing with, bleed into training camp. Yeah, it would be a moment where, like, if it were regular season, maybe you try to push it. But if it's very, very early before training camp, you're, you you go on the cautious side. Yeah, absolutely, and that's the prudent thing to do. And uh, you know, even today, Hunter Renfro was out there for um, you know he was out there at the beginning of practice. I remember seeing him, um, and then at some point, there was no more Hunter Renfro out there. I didn't catch when he actually left the field. But there was a significant part of the practice that I just didn't see him. So, um, you know, obviously something occurred, and, and maybe, you know, it's uh, something that's lingering because he did uh, miss a practice earlier in OTAs that we were here for. So, uh, and, you know, you tweet that and you put it out there, and everyone's already assuming that he's going to get traded. And it's, you know, just relax. A lot of this is just cautionary and just being prudent and being smart. Uh, it doesn't necessarily mean that somebody's getting traded. Yeah, I love following you on social media because I don't interact with people as much as you do. But you, if you get a tweet, you pretty much there's a high chance that you're going to get a reply from Vinny quote tweeting you and saying what's up. And that's one of the great reasons why you're one of the most followed beat writers for the Raiders. We're in the huddle with Vinny Vonsignor, courtesy of Dos Caras Tequila and the Realty One Group. Obviously, there's not a very high pace in these sessions. There's no contact in all these drills. But is there anything else that you have been surprised by or that you liked from what you've seen so far in these uh, mini camp sessions that are mandatory and that fortunately the media were able to watch the whole thing only record a little bit but watch the whole session yeah uh maybe not necessarily surprised but uh, obviously you, you you recognize and you see divine diablo looks much bigger Thayer munsford uh looks like he hit the weight room and and looks really good uh, physically uh, out there. Britton Brown, uh, the same thing. Uh, the, the young running back from UCLA uh, looks like he put the necessary time in with the body. Uh, Jay Tucker uh, looks really fast when he's gotten the hand, his hands on the ball. 
and there have been a couple of uh, fun little circumstances where he's gotten the ball. Uh, can't you know give away too much uh, of what you see in some of those settings, but uh, but uh, you know I feel like that's a player that the Raiders obviously envision as a uh, weapon. DeAndre Carter uh, looks really explosive. Uh, the young um, or the, the the slot wide receiver that they signed as a free agent from the uh, from the LA Chargers. He looks explosive. Um, on the, you know, the defensive side of the ball, Duke Shelley, I thought, looked really good. Uh, today there were a couple of tips, a couple of interceptions that the Raiders' defense came up with, and I know that the Raiders have been stressing that quite a bit. There was one play where it was a pretty good, well-delivered ball. Uh, I think it was Brian Horrier who threw it. But Nate Hobbs didn't give up on it, was able to knock the ball loose and knock it up out of the wide receiver's hands. Uh, and then uh, Marcus Epps, the, uh, the new safety, went on his knees and went, and went down to, uh, to grab it like that, you know, not just settling for a tip ball, uh, but then somebody following up the tip with going and getting the interception, which is those are plays that the Raiders desperately need to increase. They need to start figuring out ways uh, to get their hands on balls defensively and, and not just get their hands on balls, but secure the ball as well. Uh, to force some turnovers. It's been something that has been uh, really an issue for them the last few years. Vinny, i got to ask you this final question. Am I wrong for being excited about preseason? Last year I wasn't as excited, but this year, because of all the Raiders draft picks and the guys that are coming in via free agency, I'm like, yo, you know what? I actually got that August 13th game on Sunday at Allegiant Stadium. I'm very excited about that because we'll be there. But then also being able to call the other games against the Rams and the Cowboys, I'm like, this preseason can be actually very interesting for the Silver and Black. Am I wrong with that? No, not at all, and, uh, and keep in mind they're going to have two joint practices, too, one against the 49ers ahead of the game uh, at Allegiant Stadium. And then I want to say a week later in Los Angeles, actually Thousand Oaks, uh, against the Rams. So those two joint practices that they're going to have uh, this year at the very beginning of their preseason schedule and two back-to-back uh, I think are going to be really beneficial because you get a lot of work in, and you may not see some of those players in the, in the, in the actual game. You know, uh, maybe Jimmy G doesn't get on the – on the field during preseason, but you're certainly going to see him working against the Rams defense and the San Francisco 49ers defense uh, in those OTA practices. Uh, and and yeah, this year more than last year, uh, because they had so many more draft picks this year, uh, be able to see maybe Tyree Wilson uh, get out there in the preseason, uh, Michael Mayer get out there and get his feet wet in the preseason, Jacorian Bennett, who we talked about, uh, Chris Smith, you know, the young safety from Georgia. So I, I would think, um, you know, we're going to see those rookies and first-year players. And, and there's nothing like uh, being able to see young players on the field. I know that they may not be playing against guys that they may be playing against in the regular season. But I go back a couple of years ago to Nate Hobbs and, and just the impact that yep. he had in the preseason and playing primarily against backups for other teams. But the way he handled himself in game situations, taking what we saw on the practice field where he was a guy that was literally standing up you know, amongst some really good players, and then transferring it to the field and making plays a big interception uh, against the Rams. I think he had a sack, I uh, forget, maybe it was against Seattle that year, um, where you're like, wow, okay, so what we're seeing on the practice field is definitely transferring uh, into, a, into a game situation. So I'm, I'm anxious to see some of those rookies when the lights actually go on in a, in a preseason game. Yeah, and I didn't mean it as a disrespect for, to, for example, Dylan Parham, who was the team's top draft pick in 2022. But it's yeah. not it's not a sexy position. You prefer to watch a Tyree Wilson in action as a defensive end in a preseason game than an offensive lineman blocking for his quarterback. Yeah, absolutely. And, and, and again, Michael Mayer, I'm sure you'll see Trey Tucker 
uh, out on the field in preseason. It, it seems like such a far away away, but it really isn't. Uh, so uh, looking forward to all of that for sure. Fantastic. Let's go to a break. And Vinny, first, thank you so much. Ha- check him out on social media, at Vinny Vonsignor on Twitter. And uh, you're doing good, good, a great job with your coverage. I appreciate you, Dos Caras Aquila and Realty One Group, for bringing you in the huddle here on the J2 The Brick Show, Vinny. Thank you, Harry, man. Have a great job. You too. Thank you so much to Vinny Vonsignor. Now it's time to go to a quick commercial break. Remember, fans, the brand new Golden Tiki Lounge at Resorts World is popping. It's the ultimate tropical getaway, and you can enjoy their delicious island-inspired cocktails and soak up the lively atmosphere. The best part, locals, those of us who live here in Vegas, we get buy one, get one free every night from 8 p.m. till midnight. Let's go to a break, and we'll come back to wrap up today's JT The Brick Show. to the JT The Brick Show with today's guest host, Harry Ruiz. Carrington on her, bounce pass inside to Asia. Asia at the elbow, going down the lane, blows right by everybody, and Wilson scores the bucket, 42-27 Aces. Las Vegas Aces, seventh win in a row to kick off the season, 90-84 win against the Connecticut Sun. They play against the Sun again tomorrow, 4 p.m. You'll be able to listen to that game here on Raider Nation Radio. What a great way to start off as the WNBA defending champs. Undefeated. Perfect record so far. Let's see how far, how deep they can go that way. I'm loving the Aces team. They're stacked with stars, and they're all playing their role, knowing that the most important thing is for this team to win. Not to just get X amount of points, X amount of rebounds, double-doubles, triple-doubles. No. Just get the win. Hey, just win, baby. And Bobby and I, we're baseball nuts, so we talk about baseball here when we close the JT The Brick Show whenever I'm in for JT. And by the way, the future, the might be's Las Vegas uh, Athletics, they won today, but they we go back to last night. Jace Peterson, he was on one. To the plate, DeYoung delivers in the pitch. That swung on. Did he do it again? A drive to deep right. Palacios looks up, and Jace Peterson is 5 for 5 with two home runs, a two run shot, and it's 11 2 A's. I'll call that a good game for Jace Peterson. 5 for 5, three runs, five RBIs. The A's beat the Pittsburgh Pirates 11 2 last night, and then today they already played because they played in Pittsburgh, and the Oakland A's won 9 5. Fun fact. 62 games into the season, it's just the third time this year that they've won back-to-back games. That's how bad the Oakland A's have yeah, been. Yeah, I know. I, but are they over 12 wins yet? That's win number 12, actually. Way to go. Good so, job, guys. You're you're on your... Sorry, win number 14. Wow, for yeah. wow. It was 12 wins before these back-to-back wins. They're going wins. places. Where? Yeah, I don't know, but they're now, going places. Now they're only 28 games back from the first place, Texas Rangers. Another team that's in first place surprisingly, in my opinion, are the Diamondbacks. They are actually, they're actually half game away. Tell half game what away. Tell half game away from the best record in the National League. Here's the pitch to Abrams. It's grounded to second. Should end the game. Marte to Perdomo. There's one in the throw to first. In time, double play. Ball game is over. 
They beat the Nationals 10-5, to and right now the Diamondbacks, they're doing a great job down there in the desert, but they have a one-game lead over the Dodgers because last night the Dodgers choked. Again? Swing, and there's a fly ball. Left center field. This will get the job done. Hayward giving chase. It won't matter. It drops anyway. And here comes Stewart Fairchild to score the winning run. Matt McClain and the Reds walk it off, overcoming an 8-3 Dodger lead to beat the Dodgers 9-8 with three in the ninth. Six unanswered run by the runs by the Cincinnati Reds from the fifth inning on. The Dodgers were up eight to three in the fourth inning. I watched Dodger games. I I know the whole story. Dodgers were up eight to three. Max Muncie had a chance of getting an out on a roller to third, but he his throw was super high. Went above of uh, Freddie Freeman's head, and I was like, you know what? That run, I hope it doesn't end up hurting us. And what happens at the end of the game? A one-run loss. You know, I'm not a huge Dodger fan, but I watched a couple of games recently. This kid, you got Chris Taylor. He's something else. CT3, a kid? No, he's a grown man. He, he's Well, I mean, I'm 60. Yeah. He's, he's, he's a kid to me, but yeah, he's a damn good player. He looked good in a Red Sox uniform. The Dodgers... Got great players. Hey, you muted me. Not you. Uh, the Dodgers got great players, and now it's like Max Muncy, he's hit a slump. James Outman, he's hit a slump. But that's a be- beautiful thing about baseball. It's a long season, and you need to get them out of it. You just don't take them out. But, heck, Dave Roberts yesterday, he stuck with Caleb Ferguson late in the game. He went with the wrong matchup, and I'm like, we need a closer. You we know can't what? just go with closer by committee anymore. We need a closer. Dodgers trade for one. You know, would you like Kenley Jansen? You can have him. I'll take him. <laughs> I know people in L.A. aren't big fans of him, but, hey, I'll take I'll Kenley. To- Chris Taylor for Kenley-, Kenley Jansen straight up right now. No problem. Hey, right now with the Dodgers, the way that we we have players injured up you know where, we can't trade CT3 right now. Dodgers, they play the Reds tonight, 4-10 p.m., but let's go with more highlights because the Texas Rangers, they're killing it despite Jacob deGrom not playing since April. And the 2-1 pitch, swing and a ball driven into right field. Adoli starts in, now moves back to his right. He's there. He's got it. And Adolis Garcia and Will Smith wrap it up. A 1-2-3 ninth inning. The Rangers defeat the Cardinals by the final score of 6-4. Second team in Major League Baseball this season to get to 40 wins. These Texas Rangers are no joke. They're doing a great job led by Marcus Semyon and Corey Seager. They, they have a good squad, so be careful with them because they can shock people. And we will just say have a great day, Raider Nation. It's always a blast to be here with you guys. We got Q coming up next here with Unnecessary Roughness. That means I need to start unplugging all my stuff out here so that way he can continue his show. Uh, JT won't be in until next week, but Q will be covering the rest of the week. I'll be in on Monday. I just found out today, so hope you guys hang out with me on Monday. Will we be celebrating a Stanley Cup championship? That's the big question. So follow along with Fox Sports Radio here, part of the Lotus Broadcasting family. Game number three is tomorrow. Go Knights, go! Make Vegas proud. I'm Harry Ruiz. Thank you to Bobby Machado. Thank you to my guests, Jennifer Stalin, Lindsey Brown, and Vinny Bonsignor. Let's go home, Raider Nation. Have a great day.